Hey there, it's Colin, host of the Mod Golf Podcast. I had the opportunity to attend the PGA Merchandise Show, and I'm going to share with you the most innovative people, organizations, services, and experiences we saw during our four days in Orlando. If you're unfamiliar with the annual PGA Show, it's now in its 66th year and attracts over 40,000 PGA professionals, along with close to 1,000 golf company exhibitors and buyers. I recorded so many compelling interviews while at the PGA Show that we decided to create two episodes. On part one of our PGA Show recap, I'll feature a couple of interviews from our Mod Golf Podcast live show from the radio stage. We'll open with previous episode guest Amy Cho, followed by an interview with Hype Sports Innovation about their Global Golf Innovation Challenge. This Shark Tank-like golf industry pitch event had 10 startup finalists competing in front of a live audience and judging panel comprised of golf industry entrepreneurs, investors, and business leaders. After the competition, I had a chance to speak with four of these startups to hear about their vision to shape the future of golf. So to get us started, let's take you to the live radio stage at the PGA Show. Hey there, everybody. My name is Colin West, and I am the host of the Mod Golf Podcast. Hello there. And on the Mod Golf Podcast, we speak with the innovators, the disruptors, the entrepreneurs, and the influencers who are shaping the future of golf. So we take a bit of a different take on things in the golf space, but we do love golf, and we do love golf entrepreneurs. And that's a nice segue into my first guest here, who is Amy Cho with Golfing with Amy. And I've known Amy for a while now. She was a guest on the Mod Golf podcast, gosh, I guess a year ago. We actually met at Demo Day last year, and I saw this big crowd milling around this woman. And of course, you're not that tall, so you're, I couldn't really see your head. And then since she kind of appeared, and she has, as she's wearing, she has this sash on, like you're a, a pageant contestant with YouTube on it. And, and I said, I've got to go talk to that woman there. And I have to say, Amy, and I've met a lot of entrepreneurs. I've had over 60 guests on the podcast. And I don't say this to everybody. You are one of the most tenacious, awesome entrepreneurs that I have ever met. So. Amy Cho, thanks for joining me today on, on the Mod Golf Podcast here. Hi, Colin. Thank you so much for having me here. You are welcome. So to get us started here, why don't you, like it's a pitch night here, tell us what you do with Golf with Amy. Okay, so uh, first of all, my name is Amy Cho. I'm a golf professional um, and I'm a golf YouTuber. My YouTube channel is called Golf with Amy. Golf with and Amy. I, yeah. Yes. And I do have about 176,000 subscribers on my channel which last time I checked, put me uh, top five in the world when it came to golf YouTubers. It's amazing. I think you had about 175,000 more than I have at the moment here. So I got a little ways to go to catch you. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I do mainly instructional golf uh, on my channel, but I do do fun vlogs, golfing on the golf courses, anything that I can introduce golf-related stuff on my channel. Uh, absolutely. And what I love about what you do with an entrepreneur the fact that you're Korean-American, that you realized your target audience very early on, your target market. And, yeah. and, and we'll explain what you do. You don't just don't do it in English. Every single piece of content you produce, what do you do? Oh, yes. I, I shoot all my instructional videos in both Korean and English. Uh, I do have a big audience in Korea as well. As you know, mm -hmm. golf is huge in Korea. Yes. So um, I do have a big fan base in the Asia 
market and also in the USA market. So it's been fun. I've been having a meeting a lot of fans at the show this week. Yes. And yeah, it's just it was a blast meeting all all of them here. And I have to say, you are a social media machine. And the content <laughs> you produce, and there's lots of people that produce lots of content or quantity, but you produce quantity, and it's always instructional. And I've learned more than a few things from your golf tips. And I love what you do there because you do it in such a way that it's just easy to digest and easy to understand. And it's like one thing at a time. <laughs> and, I, and I love that, the way you go about doing it. And you have Thank fun you. with the way that you, the you. way that you do it. So Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it can get boring, the hard work you have to put into golf. So I rather make it more fun. And I actually came up with a name. I don't know if I uh, we talked about it last time, but I, I call it amifying the game, meaning making it simple, fun, and effective. That's why, That's right. yeah, That's right. like you mentioned, that. I always have you working on just one particular thing uh, in my instructional videos. And you, I can't believe you noticed I, I try to upload only like once a week. Yes. Yes. I don't try and flood it because a lot of my fans do love kind of waiting for that <laughs> weekly tip. And, yes. you know, it makes it more fun that way, I think. <laughs> and I've heard, and I do this with a podcast, I try to be consistent. And your, your fans start to expect that, that regularity, that ritual, that if you release on every single Tuesday, then they know yes. that, it, that it's coming. Even if they subscribe it. and it automatically downloads for them. But it just provides that comfort that Amy will be there for them. <laughs> every Tuesday, That's, I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. So I love entrepreneurial stories and you're a good storyteller. So I want to hear what gave you the courage as an entrepreneur? Because it is a scary thing to take that entrepreneurial leap. What gave you the courage a couple of years ago to take that plunge? And you were a professional golfer before, so you can talk about that a little bit. Oh, but, yes. but how did you take that leap to then do what you're doing now? How did you get started? What gave you the uh, the inspiration and the courage to do it? Oh, I think I got very lucky with a lot of uh, turns I made. Right. <laughs> so I played, I started playing golf when I was like six and I turned professional uh, many years ago, 2004. Yes. <laughs> and then I had a couple different back injuries I had to, you know, fight through. And my third back injury, I decided, okay, I, maybe this is not it. So I had to retire from competition golf. Yeah. And that's when I moved to LA. I grew up in Orlando here. Yeah. I went to University of Florida, played for them. Oh, that's right, you're yeah. a local girl. Yes, yeah, yes, I, I won that. the SECs and everything here. And then I moved to LA, I started teaching, and I had an opportunity to do TV golf there. Right. And that was amazing, a lot of fun. I really loved it. And then once I stopped working with them, a lot of my fans would actually email me telling me that they want more instructional golf from me. And the only way I could do it was through YouTube. And back then, YouTubers weren't that big, not as big as right now. No, not at all. And I stumbled onto it, and I really didn't know that YouTube was going to take off like this. And I'm one of the frontiers doing the YouTube golf with big amount of uh, followers. So it was just a really lucky journey, and I've enjoyed every bit of it. <laughs> it's amazing, and the fact you are so consistent with the content you create. And we had a conversation about this, and not to bring everybody down here, but entrepreneurship, the media and television, movies, it glamorizes it. You're the hero on your own, creating all these amazing things <laughs> to save the world. And for every Elon <laughs> Musk and for every Mark Zuckerberg, there's a million entrepreneurs that are struggling or haven't quite made it or it is can be a very lonely pursuit so mm -hmm. how do you personally if we want to talk about wellness and fitness here how do you manage to take care of yourself so you can sustain what you do so you don't get burnt out do you have any any tips for entrepreneurs out there so they can balance their lifestyle a little bit here oh wow that's a good one because I actually had to go through uh, you know I had to go through personal experience to yeah. find out as you know probably doing the same thing you have, I do you have to go a little bit too far to realize 
realize yes. you've gone too far. <laughs> you push yeah. yourself too hard, and then you realize you can't do this any longer if you do that. So you have to have, uh, you have to make sure to eat well. You have to work out. I thought you yes. have to have the endurance to do what we do, and then uh, you have to eat well, sleep well, and work out. Those three things, you know. I'm kind of used to doing those because I've always been an athlete. Um, yes. But when I retire from competition golf, that's when I kind of let myself go, and I was like, oh, I don't have to work out. But <laughs> <laughs> <Wrong>. <laughs> now I'm, you know, an instructor golfer and a YouTuber. I have started working out again, and um, yeah, different workouts though than as if I was a golf professional. Sure, different yeah. regime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, I have to work out every day. Well, on that note, what is your typical workout regime, and what do you focus on to keep yourself to maintain yourself so you can sustain what you do? So when I was a tour professional, I would do uh, lift heavy weights, push myself to get stronger. Right. Yeah, so and it's then volume then. Yeah. Yes, but now it's more like lengthening my uh, smaller muscles. So I would do a lot of yoga. Yogas and Pilates. I wouldn't do heavy weights. I'll just do more cardio. So it's completely different. Right. Yeah, and I don't have to eat heavy to keep up with the mus muscles and stuff. So it, my tummy likes it better. <laughs> <laughs> I, I bet it does. Also very interested in getting back to kind of the Korean side of things. So when did you realize, as an entrepreneur? Or was it right out of the gate? You said, when I do this, I'm going to create the same video. I'm going to do it in Korean, and I'm also going to do it in English. How, how did that evolve to find out where your audience was and how? And then you decided, yeah, I need to go a 50-50 split on that. I'm curious to hear that story. Yeah, you know, um, <laughs> I didn't really think about it that much. It's just that. That's that, okay. Sometimes yeah. it just happens. It yeah, reveals it just itself, happened. Right? It did. It did. Because I'm living in L.A., there's a lot of Koreans yes. that, that are first-generation Koreans. Uh, and then we have a lot of second generations as well that watched my videos. And some of them would say, email me in English saying, even though I didn't fully understand Korean, I really love watching your tips, you know? Right. That's what kind of gave me idea to do both in English and Korean. And then it just worked out great. <laughs> Amazing. Now, you also have, I think you told me on, on the podcast episode we had that you have you have some clients that fly from all over the world, or you go and you act, will train them. Oh yes, yeah. I, so I so do tell both. me about some of the other things you do. Some of the great experiences or the connectivity. You've had so many followers. It must yes. be really difficult to connect with them. Can you tell us a couple of stories of of real, authentic connections that you've made with some of your fans? Oh yes, I did have this one gentleman. Um, he flew in from Taiwan to get lessons from me. Right. And he made a plaque saying like I was the number one uh, made you a teacher in the world. Wow, you, <laughs> yeah. you won an award. For I know, it was fan. very sweet. He flew in for like two days, solid two days, and got lessons and had to fly back out because his work. But um, And then I had a lot of students fly in from like Brazil, Australia, Korea, and then a lot from like Chicago, New York, right, Arizona. Right. There, there were so many people that were flying in. And also uh, last month, I did a golf clinic in Hawaii at Kolina oh. Golf Course. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah where they had is. the yeah. LPGA Lotte Championship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was invited to do the golf clinic there. It was really good for a good cause it was for the local hospital and we made some charity work there and that was fantastic yeah it nice. was really really nice to hang out in Hawaii and also do some work not bad yeah that's that's pretty good yeah you, <laughs> better than coming from Canada some of the cold places in Canada I go to are, are not as nice as Hawaii believe me but I I heard it's really cold in th Canada there is well I'm from Vancouver it's just wet there right now oh, it's like I Seattle see. it's not, ah, not not so bad I see I see so since you are an entrepreneur like myself when you walk around the show floor you're out a demo day I'm sure you see things a little bit differently like myself than the average person would. So 
was there anything this year that you saw out there that you thought was really cool or new that you hadn't seen before? Any anything you thought a trend or something you thought was kind of cool yeah, that caught your eye? Uh, the, some of the things I noticed this year was that there are a lot more people here than last year, right? Mm. Bigger crowds and uh, a lot of the things are more high tech, seems like. Right. Yeah, so that was really cool. So I stopped by Flyscope Tent and they were showing me the new features they put into their X3 and right. you could adjust humidity level, uh, temperature and like altitude and all that cool stuff. You can add wind. Oh, so you can, uh, you can actually control the atmosphere yeah. and, and the environment yes. to, to real world conditions. Yes, then. those oh, were really okay. cool. And then all the games you can play now virtually. Yeah, and also uh, stop by Selfie Golf and uh, they had really cool accessories out. And then Salt Adventures, the golf shoes. That Have you seen those? No, what, what's the name again? Salt Adventures. Okay. Yeah, they have golf shoes and they have force plates inside the golf shoes. So it oh. tracks how your feet work during your golf swing. Isn't that cool? Interesting. It's like body track, but it's in your shoes, so you can check your balance during your rounds so on your the, phone. It's the Internet of Things for feet. It gives you yeah. big data on your toes. Yeah, <laughs> yes, because <laughs> I do emphasize using your lower body for accuracy and distance. Right. And I just I love that product, and I was checking those out. A lot of high-tech training aids and devices to help you improve your golf game. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, those were fun. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing those. Okay, I gotta ask you here as an entrepreneur, I don't want you to get, reveal the numbers of what you do, because that's your personal, but on the business side as an entrepreneur, how do you monetize what you do? What different revenue streams do you have? Can you, do you mind sharing that with us? That's we're kind of curious how, how you manage to extract uh, value, which you totally deserve off of the fab fabulous <laughs> things that you do. So um, golf lessons, obviously, yeah. and then um, from YouTube, you get paid. Yes. And then also, like, if you go to events as a influencer, you get paid. Uh-huh. Uh-huh, yeah. I don't know, in endorsements or events. Yeah, a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, and I, that's what I figured, and, but I just yes. wanted to clarify that. Yeah. that. That's great. So as an entrepreneur, for our audience that's going to be listening, so we're making a podcast episode here, and also in the we're in the concourse live here at the PGA Show 2019. <laughs> could you give, as an entrepreneur, could you give our audience any tips, insights, cautionary tales, things you do differently, just kind of tips as an entrepreneur, anybody that's thinking about starting a business or, or start on their entrepreneurial journey. The only thing I experienced <laughs> was since I've been gaining more viewers, you kind of come up with an image, right? right. It's probably based on your personality, I think, because you know you can't fake a image, I don't think. You have to be authentic. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> it's hard to keep that up. You can't act all exactly, the time, Exactly, right? exactly. So sometimes when I'm in the public areas, especially with the golf crowd, because some of them are very gentleman-like and they don't exactly come up to you and say, hey, you know, I know you. Yes. So they might know you and not say anything. So you always have to like behave. <laughs> <laughs> That was the tough part, but in a way, it's actually really nice because then well, you have a lot of followers that are watching you, so that's, on the, that's yeah, a good thing, too. Got it. Okay, thanks for that. Okay, to finish up here, we're always about the future of things with the Mod Golf Podcast, so I'd love to hear, Amy Cho, what's in the future for you? Let's say in the next year or so, is how would you like to see Golf with Amy evolve? Or do you like where it is, or, or is there, do you have any plans to scale it up or maybe try some different things in the future, being the entrepreneur that you are? Anything <laughs> you can share with us without revealing too much too soon? <laughs> um, so obviously, you always have to keep growing, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to continue to do that. And actually, yesterday, I went to the Golf Channel and I did some filming with them. Um, so, yeah, congratulations. So thank you, thank Amazing. you. I was um, on the Golf Channel's morning drive last year as well. I did so, know that, yeah. yeah so I'm 
gonna continue to grow and hopefully be on the Golf Channel more often and meet all of you guys, yeah, every day. Very nice. <laughs> now, I know in Korea, they also follow the Golf Channel. Do you do it just in English with the Golf Channel or you also do some in Korean? Oh, so um, yesterday was at the Golf Channel here yes. for the yeah, USA. And then I am doing some magazine shoots and everything with the Korean Golf Channels. While I'm here this week, yes. So yeah, so I'll be doing more stuff with actually both Korean and around the world. Very good. <laughs> so to finish up, is there anything in Korean you'd like to say to your massive Korean fan base here? Oh, the this is how I always start my YouTube. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I say, 안녕하세요, 명성수님 이미지 프로입니다. I had no idea what you said, but it sounded beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and what exactly did you say there? I just basically said, my name is Amy Cheo, golf professional, except I do have a nickname in Korea. Which is? Myeongpum swing. That means world-class swing, like a beautiful swing. Beautiful swing. So, <laughs> that's my that is not Korea. my nickname. If you saw my swing, <laughs> which you promised you're going to work on with me one time. Oh, yes, I have, I have to give you some lessons. Time. Yes, yeah. we'll have to, probably have to do that remotely or next time I'm in, I'm in L.A. or okay. California. We'll do that. If you can squeeze five minutes in with, with me, that would be great. <laughs> All right. Why don't you send me a video first and then we'll go from there. Oh, goodness. Okay. <laughs> I, I will. That will be privately viewed, not publicly. Okay, that's great. Amy Cho, thank you so much for being here today. Thank I really appreciate so it. It's so wonderful to see you at the show. Nice seeing and you again. And I look forward to seeing you again very soon. Hopefully in LA to fix my mediocre golf swing. <laughs> Sounds great. That'll be great. Thanks, thank you Amy. so much. All right, you're welcome. Yeah, so good to see you. Well, hello, everybody. We are back. And my next two guests are a slam dunk. It's so natural to have them here. What's going on this week here as we overlap and complement each other with what we're doing. And I have uh, Elan Hadar, who is the uh, partner and CEO with Hype Sports Innovation. And the reason he is here is he was leading up the Global Golf Innovation Competition, which they held on Tuesday afternoon. And I'll let him explain what happened, but the overview was they had 10 pitch finalists, the companies, and we have the winner also with us here. We have Fabio Perel, who is the co-founder of GolfBoo. So Fabio will be telling us about that. But I do want to start, Elan, if you can give our listeners here and the folks walking by what's going on with not only uh, Hype Sports Innovation, but also, and most importantly this week, uh, the Global Golf Innovation Competition. Yes, thank you for uh, having me. Um, on a nutshell, uh, Hype is connecting sports and innovation. We are empowering startup everywhere for the benefit of the sport technology ecosystem. So um, we were approached uh, six, seven months ago by the PGA to arrange another competition. Hype already arranged 30 competition uh, alongside the NBA final, NFL draft, FIFA World Cup, and so on. Our uh, experience in arranging such competition is vast, but we never had a golf one, and we thought, yeah, why not go for it? Uh, launch it about uh, four, six months ago, and the feedback was great. We had uh, about 200 uh, companies replying. We have considered about 90 which were relevant and down selected it to the 10 winners that performed yesterday in, in front of many good uh, judges. And Fabio was the one that won with Golf Boo and uh, we were very happy about that. Absolutely, so I've gotten Fabio to get to know you a little bit by some conversations we've had. So since it was a pitch competition, I'm gonna put you on the spot here. You should have this down by now. I'm sure the last three days you probably could do it in your sleep now. Give us the Golf Boo pitch. In English or Spanish? <laughs> uh, 
Either way. You okay. So listen, thank, again, thanks for having us on the show. Fantastic. And yeah, golf. We basically kayak, Trivago, Travelocity yes. uh, is the tr Trivago of golf. We are the comparison website of golf. Real-time prices, real-time availability, multiple platforms, amassing it all together. Just what happened in the hotel, hotel and the airline industry at over a decade ago uh, is what we bring to golf. Which will, it's no question of if we believe it's a question of when it will happen in the industry of golf. Interesting. And with Golf Boo, when did you launch this? When did you come up with the idea and when did you actually launch the we product? We founded the company in 2014. Uh, we launched our first uh, functionality of V1, should we say, in 2015. And we've grown every year since. Adding functionalities, investing in technology, in the software, um, in the back end of the product, you know. And so we've, we've grown 23.4% year on year on average. Wow. And we've come to this stage here where we are today, looking now for the right investor, the right strategic partner to take us global. The idea is we are EMEY today. Yes. The idea is to open in North America this year, next year in Asia, and by 2021, hopefully, it will be the global golf travel platform. That was an excellent pitch. You win. Oh, wait, you already did win. So you win twice here. So as an entrepreneur myself, and I mentor entrepreneurs similar to what Alain does in a slightly different way in, in Canada, getting involved within that ecosystem with pitch nights and, just, like I said, mentoring and being involved in an angel investor myself, I love to hear the entrepreneurial story. So I, I'd love to hear what was that aha moment with Golf Boo? What pain point did you see or what gap in the market did you see, you know, and we have the ability and the team and the expertise and the passion to actually then put all the pieces together to make this happen. So what was that inflection point or that aha moment for you to, for, to actually really push this forward and create Golf Boo? I've worked in golf for a long time now as a director of golf for True Golf, the American Golf, okay. golf Consultancy. So yes, I was a yeah. director of golf in Barcelona, in Marbella, in Panama. And you know, traveling around, working in golf, and while traveling, using uh, airline platforms like Skyscanner, using hotel platforms like Trivago, I thought to myself, well, why does not this not exist in golf? Yeah. You know, it was just a, a very logical sort of solution. Again, we know that golf is behind the hotel and the airline industry, and it's a question of when it will happen. So we thought, let's do it. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and you did, and give you credit because most entrepreneurs, and I know some friends, and I've done it in the past too, that you have this great idea, and next thing you know, you're friends are still sitting around 10 years later having a beer with you telling about this great idea that they have and then someone else stole their idea because they actually did it which exactly. is 99.9% .9 of the work and it's not sexy and glamorous sometimes as entrepreneurs it's just a matter of being consistent and tenacious and resilient and just and just making it happen as you knew Colin it's, it's very very tough to be you know having a startup you know, it's easy to have an idea it's very difficult to raise the funding for it it's extremely difficult to execute and bring your product to market but then that's the when the work really starts <laughs> it's really it really does. You know, and there's so many, many stages. You have to have tenacity, consistency, hard work, and a bit of luck. And platforms and opportunities like this that Elon and Hype Innovation brought to us are wonderful, wonderful platforms to be able to communicate, promote the ideas, not just our ideas, the many great ideas in the finals. We had some great finals this year, you know? So it's a fantastic platform for us and a showcase to be able to, to, be able to do that. Right. And thanks for that. And Elena, I want to bring it back over to you. So I would like to know, because I wasn't there, unfortunately, I, had, I couldn't be two places at once, so I wasn't there to hear or see the judging of the pitches. What was it about Golf Boo that separated them above everybody else that put them in the uh, in the winner's circle? Well, I think for one thing, they were different, okay? okay? There are many platforms that are trying to do, you know, training or any kind of coaching and also some tea time, uh, you know, locally. These guys were different. Their vision is very bold. And I think there's a lot of opportunity to uh, succeed here and to, to be a unicorn. 
And to expand on that, Fabio, you can talk about your team a little bit, because that's so important. I know when I judge these competitions, they say, well, you may have a product or an experience or a service, which you show the barrier to entry and the total accessible market and how you're actually going to put that together. But you look at the team. It's the founder and the team. So they look at it using the metaphor. You may have this amazing racehorse, but if you don't have the team that we believe could bring that into the winner's circle, then investors will stay away from you because they don't think you can have that. So what was it about, maybe both of you can jump in on this as far as the, the team and those, that, those extra pieces that you have besides the actual product with GolfBoo that rose them to, to the top. Oh, I like Fabio, that's, that's his team. You're absolutely right, Colin. Everybody has their role to play, you know. We have we invested everything we have in the technology, in the team, in building the product. So we have guys back in Spain continuously programming, developing technology. I have no idea how to do that, right. you know. But they have no idea how to come and do what we do here. So it's, it's, it's without the team, everybody playing their roles and trusting each other, that's how you make it happen, you know. A absolutely. And as an entrepreneur, you've done something that, to get to that next level, to even scale that first scale that so many entrepreneurs have a difficult time doing and that is letting go yes. and finding people because everybody has weaknesses you have strengths and weaknesses and not filling those gaps and managing to do that which also is difficult if you don't have a lot of money if you're bootstrapping how do you actually do that so you have to have not only to investors and other partners that you're looking up to get them to buy in as a leader yes. to what you're doing, but also to, to be able to well, sell it, quite frankly, for the team, to have them buy into the vision and the purpose and the passion and the core values and the culture absolutely, that you actually have absolutely around. Absolutely right, Colin. You know, everybody has to know the role, it has to be managed, organized, coordinated correctly, and trust is a huge, huge part. Yeah. For example, Elon in his organization, he will look after certain things and has to trust that other things are looked after by other people fully responsible, you know, and, and, and that has to work in a really cognitive manner, you know, and really, really tightly. So mm -hmm. without that coordination and trust, working together for one direction and one movement and one sort of objective, should we say, nothing gets done. Got it. Elan, back to you. So you touched on this a little bit about how you've done this many times in many different sports as far as having these pitch competitions. So on the golf side, sounds like to put that out and promote this through your marketing streams was quite easy So you've had that already in place. But doing the work back, how long ago was that that you first put the cattle call out to any organizations or startups that could then apply and start through the funnel? It was four to five months ago when we had the call for competition. And it was about uh, a month ago that we nailed down the, the 10 candidates for pitching. Right, okay. Well, let me ask you this, with the success, the feedback loop, because you're entrepreneurs, so it's all about that minimum viable product, putting something together here, not trying to create this big thing that maybe is more than you can sustain with the resources that you have and test. So as an entrepreneur, Len, with this experience, what have you learned in that feedback loop as far as that build, measure, test? And I'm assuming, hoping you're going to do this again next year, that if you do, don't have to reveal that, maybe that's happening or not. But what have you learned? What insights did you get from this experience here this week? Every sport has its own dynamics and culture. Right. Uh, I think golf is in the same bucket as tennis and other sports that are suffering from losing the millennials and Z generation. And I think some of the people that are doing golf and business golf business are, are under oyster strategy. It means they <laughs> do not understand how fast can they lose their customers right. because millennials will not play golf unless you're going to do it in entertainment, you're going to do it fast, you're going to do it in a way that will have instant gratification and so on. So. In a way, we are in a perfect place. You gotta innovate, and indeed, you see, you know, big initiative like Top Golf. You see other things that are trying to create bigger engagement, and that's the future of sports. I completely agree. Yeah, absolutely. So, 
Fabio, with your business model now, of course you're starting out as the, uh, as you said, the Travago for golf in the travel side of it, but I overheard conversations, people approaching you after the pitch competition. So I can see the lights going off in your head that sounds like there's other streams of revenue or other target markets or segments. How do you see, not, not to say that the travel market isn't a big one already, but how else do you see now opportunities with Golf Boo as a platform that you can see within the golf industry? With Golf Boo, what we've created, we've, we've, we've created so it's very, very scalable, very, very quick. Connecting the API connections to multiple tour operators, tea sheets providers, hotel providers, accommodation providers in real time. The potential though, for example, build your own package. You want to connect with Airbnb. Yeah. Um, you can actually rent around your apartment and build your own package around that. We want to uh, create um, strategic partners whereby they have the user base, but they don't have any travel section or travel content within their platforms. So we create white label solutions for these guys, whereby it's the look and feel, it's the logo of, the, of, of their platform, simply powered by Golfboom. So when they, their user clicks in through the white label solution, they get access to all the technology, all the functionality, and all the product and content. And uh, we simply split the commission share. And so they've got the user, we've got the technology, we've got the product, and we, we do business together. Nice. Multiple so, platforms that Elan's introduced us to during this week that we can do the business already with. Yeah, well, that's a great segue to another question I had here. And with partners or investors, some people that say, and I think it's an old school mentality, I don't believe it, say, no, just take the money. If it's the money, just take the money. And I, I don't believe that. Yes, the money's important, but the partnerships and the network that those partners, because it is, once you, with an investor, it is quite literally a marriage. It is not a one week or one month. It's not a one night stand. It's, it could be for years, if not decades. This is a long haul type of a relationship. So with that, I'd like to know, well, what exactly did Fabio and the other winners, what did they win to help propel them forward to that next level to extend their startup runway here? Well, every startup wants to stand out, wants to have to be shining in front of investors and in front of partners. So even by being selected to be the best 10 startups in golf technology, that's a great winning and winning the competition by itself and all the media around it, you know, all the posting that we do in social media is great. Other than that, of course, we will take care of uh, Golf Boo and, and we will create for them a way to success with our partnership around in US and everywhere else. So I think that's the best uh, prize that you can imagine. Uh, absolutely. Can, can I just add on to that, please? Please, please do, I mean, yeah. What Elan has done as well, he's, they've connected us with not just the, the judges, for example, potential strategic partners that yeah, would yes. be very, very beneficial to the, to the business. Investors, 100%, but you're right what you said, you know, these potential strategic partners moving forward. And he's already introduced us to other investors as well. So the opportunities are endless, and this is just the beginning, it really is. It's amazing. And as I've learned early on in my entrepreneurial journey years ago, you've got this thing, but you don't have that network, that root system built up, and you don't have the internet. And that's taken us five years or so to do. And to be honest, one of the main reasons we created the Mod Golf podcast was not to monetize it, but to give us the opportunity to build relationships and cultivate trust. And that has worked. It's in just being consistent about that. And that takes quite a while. And having someone like Elan and his extensive global network to make those warm introductions for you, that's, that's worth its weight in gold. Absolutely. It really Absolutely. is. There we go. So hey, just to finish up, one more last question. So Elan, could you tell us a little more going back with Hype Sports Innovation? Can you let our listeners know, you touched on a little bit, what exactly is it that you do with Hype? We have developed a network, which is the number one network that includes academy, sports club, teams, it includes brands, it includes a network of startups, which is around 10,000. And what we do today is a few main businesses. One is the accelerators which we already have 11 and we will announce very soon another uh, accelerator which will run around blockchain for sports and esports. 
Then we have our events that is like a competition or a brand event. And last but not least, we already secured money for our first capital fund. So you could see the holistic approach. We can take startup from everywhere in the world, bring them value, create a deal flow, invest, and benefit for the ecosystem. Amazing. The golf industry needs you. The sport industry needs you. What you're doing is amazing. I just had the good fortune of meeting you this week, and I've got a feeling you and I are going to be talking again very soon uh, because there's lots of interesting things going on. I'll take a rain check, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Elan, Fabio, Fabio thanks, thanks so much for joining me today on the Mod Golf Podcast. Thanks I really appreciate us. your time. Thank good stuff. I'm in the new product zone, and I have run into Chris Manson, who is the CEO and partner with Kinexit. And Kinexit was the third place winner at the Global Golf Innovation Competition that Hype Sports Innovation had hosted earlier this week. They got a really great story here. Fitness is a big part of the show here and also about expanding golf. What really excites me about Kinexit is what they are doing to increase the level of player fitness. So with that, I got to turn it over to Chris. Hey, Chris, welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast. Great to have you here today. Oh, thanks so much. We're super excited and, and really honored to be a part of it. Good stuff. So, hey, why don't you give us the quick elevator pitch that you used for Kinexit to secure your third place win of the competition? Well, thanks so much. Well, we're super excited to be a part of this and just to be part of this whole industry. First of all, we're really excited about the fact that we really think that we've got something that we can change the industry and we can help provide a way to grow the game. Now, we've spoken to a number of different teaching professionals and they have the common frustration that when you have a golfer in front of you, when they can't move or they feel restricted, that they feel pain, that they get stuck. And when golfers don't improve, it has a negative aspect on that. Right. So what we do and what we help with is we have designed a digital tool that provides the teaching professional a way to just hand over something that is simple and easy to do that gets the golfer's fitness up to the level and helps them improve their golf game. Nice. Now, myself, I always ask entrepreneurs, so what was your aha moment for Connexit? What pain points did you see or what opportunities, what gaps did you see that other people weren't providing where you saw a real opportunity here for your startup? Well, if we look at, at the whole aspect of player performance and getting better, we look at three things, equipment, fitness, and technique. Now, if you look at equipment, really regulated, we look at it and say, like, can't really do much more with the clubs and so forth today. If we look at technique, it's dependent on the fitness side of things. And let's be honest, the fitness, there's been tremendous success for a lot of the platforms for education, but there's really nothing that's easy to hand over that is commercial, that's simple, and provides a tool for the teaching professional to be able to hand over. So my biggest aha moment was being able to look into that section called fitness and really keep it simple, scalable, and something that is easy for the teaching professional to do. So that was my biggest aha moment and why I really went aggressively for this type of tool. And we've got so much great feedback for it, so we're really excited about it. So, hey, let's use myself as one of your personas as a potential client here. Myself, I'm in my early 50s, but I'll have to say I'm in pretty good shape. I actually train and go to the gym three times a week. So as far as strength and flexibility, I'm pretty good, but I'm still an 18 handicap. Still, I need to work out, probably need to have more of a golf-focused fitness regime. So how would Connexit work for someone like myself? So my first thing I would say is like, do you have 15 minutes three times a week to spend on exercise and training? The answer would be yes. 
then I can pretty much guarantee that we've done this for a number of years now. We actually did a big survey with 500 golfers where we wanted to know what is 15 minutes of training three times per week do with your golf, would you do it with Kinexit? And the, the coolest thing was majority of them improve their swing speed, their driving distance, but the thing that, that was most significant, that they actually spent more time on the golf course. They actually, their rounds of play increased, which created a really nice ecosystem effect because when, when players play more, they spend more. And teaching professionals are happy, the academies are happy, the clubs are happy. So what I would say with how Kinexa works is that when you do this with your teaching professional, you can do it yourself too, but we've seen the best environment with the teaching professional, then perform the actual screening, which is easy to do. You only need a measuring tape and a wall. And then you submit your scores. And then what Kinexit does is automatically create your personalized training programs. It's no advanced educations needed. You just get set up. And then once the testing is complete, then Kinexit is going to then walk you through the hallway. And in addition to this, the teaching professional has a way to track you. He can stay in touch with you. And he can also send his own videos and so forth. So I really look at it as a nice way to provide a way for golfers and teach professionals to be able to grow their game. Nice. So who are your customers? Is this a multi-sided marketplace, meaning that someone like myself can download it and then I'm assuming eventually start to pay teaching professionals? And also, are you looking to, as they call white label, embed this into some bigger companies? Let's say, I don't know if a fit with someone like Golf Tech with what they do on the fitness side. Are those things that you're looking at of having more than a two or a three-sided marketplace or different streams of customers? Well, the fun thing with this is that there's a lot of different ways to do it. Right now, you can say our customer is the teaching professional, the academy, the clubs, and the end user is the golfer. So in other words, our relationship is really strongly interconnected with those three parts. In other words, the teaching professional, the academy, and the club. And what happens is they, what we do together with them is we help them with branding. And to that point, the actual golfer can himself or herself go on a Kinexit. They can get their own membership, of course. This is the cool thing about the golf industry is I want to be clear with it too. We have seven other fully developed sports, but why we've gone very aggressively in golf is the fact that the relationship between the teaching professional and this golf student is unique. Now, I'm assuming that you're spending quite a bit of time and your resources then onboarding and educating the golf teaching professional then. It sounds like that's your conduit into the marketplace. Was well, this a combination? We have actually a set of, of criteria, you can say DNA that we look at with all the potential teaching professionals and academies and clubs. We really like to see that they have studios, that they're comfortable with club fitting, they have some sort of a, an educational background. And that gives us an, an understanding, they have an awareness, the fact that they feel that fitness is an important piece. And what we like to provide is that tool that helps them just package it and give them a way to hand something that's simple and essentially help them drive revenue in that sense too. So with this, we do include what we call certifications, where we ensure that the onboarding is smooth and the fact that they have a good understanding and to make sure that it really fits into the environment that they're in. Got it. Okay, a couple more quick questions for you. Just as far as traction, how long have you been in the market and how are you scaling in the American market and even the European market? Why don't you give us some sense of, of, of that traction you have in the market? Well, of course. So I'm originally from Sweden or in Stockholm. We got half team here, half the team in the US. So Sweden's our, our, our closest geographical location. So we've got 15 of the most influential teaching professionals and academies in the country and we're growing pretty aggressively now, I'd say two to three academies per week that we're getting on board. 
Now, U.S. is our primary market where we really want to grow and we see a really nice fit. And just today, we're getting so much interest in that sense. So we've got five pretty leading academies and teaching professionals already. We just started really aggressively a couple of months ago. So for us, it's been a really quick progression and we're scaling quickly now. So I think after this week, I mean, just today, we're looking at 50 to 60 leads that really have the acceptance of what we're doing and they're looking for something like this. So we're excited. I love this. This is entrepreneurship 101. Rather than trying to do it all on your own, you've seen the value of partnerships to turbocharge what you're doing and be able to scale up very quickly also. So well done on that as far as your strategic rollout there. Uh, Hey, to finish up here, so tell me quickly, turning over to Hype Sport Innovations and the Global Golf Innovation Competition, what was that experience like? Well, I loved it, to be honest. Quick story, they reached out to us through different channels. We were interested. They'd been sort of scouting us for a while. And we signed up and we got information a couple of weeks before that, hey, you guys have been chosen by the top 10. And of course, it validates the fact that we're on the right track and puts a challenge on you. You have a five minute window to explain everything about your company and what you do and what you believe in and your passion. It really puts things into perspective, what's important, what you want to portray. But I really love the fact that you can can do those things and meet other colleagues within the business and other entrepreneurs. So we're just super excited. And the fact we're really honored to be part of it. So I think they've done a terrific job. It was a great venue. And we're just happy that golf, if you look at the PGA, that they're opening up for innovation and technology in this sense. Uh, absolutely. So, hey, hey, Chris, thanks for taking a couple of minutes out of your, your busy time here at the show to talk to us on the podcast. Thanks so much. Now we're going to go back into action. So. Hey, you're welcome. <laughs> There we go. And we've been planning a fitness episode down the road, and I would love to have you back to get your thought leadership on that aspect also. So hopefully you'll be willing to come back on the podcast at a later date. I'd love to. Good stuff. All right, Chris Manson, CEO and partner with Conexit. Thanks for your time. Thank you. So I'm here with Dante Reynolds, who is the VP of Marketing and Sales for TDJ Golf. And TDJ Golf was one of the startups that was part of the Global Golf Innovation Competition. Hey, Dante, give us the pitch. Give us the pitch for TDJ Golf. Tell us what you're all about and what you're creating here. Absolutely. Well, first of all, Colin, thanks for having me on. It's great to be here. What TDJ Golf does is we're trying to fuse together fantasy golf with real life rounds. And we call these experiences virtual proams. We custom design these virtual programs for clubs around the country, creating a revenue stream for them while at the same time enhancing the game for their golfers. Upon the conception of the idea uh, between my father and I, who are in two very different generations, we saw that there was relevance and acceptance from both of those generations. And what we really wanted to use TDJ Golf as is a tool to usher in the millennial group that is right around the corner from buying memberships of their own while at the same time not alienating the tried and tested player base that we have over in my father's generation. And we found the answer to that was the modernization of an old classic game that we've all played where you pick a a PGA pro out of the hat during Masters weekend, and then you play along with that pro. And what TDJ Golf does is kind of expands on that idea a little bit and puts the power of that experience on your smartphone, which a huge percentage of people today are, are carrying. That was a great pitch. I love the fact that you've digitized something in golf that works already in the, if you want to call it the traditional or analog space, and then you've ported that over and you've digitized that. So if, if it works in, uh, in real life, obviously it'll work in a virtual way also. So expand on that a little bit. So what pain points, gaps, and opportunities did you see in the golf fantasy or competition marketplace, if you will, that you really saw an opportunity for TGJ Golf? 
Well, I think that really started with noticing the level of engagement in even just regular fantasy sports with golfing. There's 11.5 million fantasy golf users. And I think a huge majority of those overlap into the close to 20 million average golfers that are around. So the way we wanted to design it so it can help clubs at the same time providing this experience to the golfers is upfront costs had to be eliminated. We didn't want to come into a club and say, hey, pay us this amount to get started. So we cut all that out. There's no subscription. There's no setup fee. There's no cancellations fees. All we charge is a fee per player in the tournament. And we allow the clubs to set the entry fee for said tournament. So the only time that they pay is when people played. And if people played, then they've already paid which is a really great thing. So there's never any expense to the club and the potential for their revenue stream is just through the roof and they can really work to set up whether it be more casual tournaments on a week-to-week basis or larger tournaments that are revolving around the Masters where everybody's really psyched and ready to play for a big event. Got it. So as human beings, we are incentivized by winning free stuff, winning prizes, being rewarded for actually being the ones that win. So can you tell us a bit about that, of how you've gamified this and what type of prizes and rewards do you actually have for the people that are participating? Yeah. So if you and I were playing in one of our tournaments, in a TDJ tournament, uh, you and I would be on the first tee. You take out your phone and you pick three pros from that ongoing PGA event. So you pick a top tier player, a mid guy, and a guy kind of close to the bottom. And just like regular fantasy golf, those guys are going to be working for you and hopefully they do well. But then we go out and play our rounds and our score is now added into the total team score. Now, how the prizes work is, as I said before, the club set the entry fees and we charge them per player. Right. But they take all that extra money from the entry fee minus our fee and they add that to prizes. And we find a lot of clubs doing pro shop credit which again comes back to the club and helps them with the revenue, getting rid of inventory there. And the players can have a choice there. They can get whatever driver they want or order something special through the pro, whatever they want. So there's really a lot of customization and access to exactly what the person wants for the winnings. You know, we find a lot of times when you actually produce prizes, someone may or may not want that. Maybe they already have one or whatever. You run into those issues. So when you really give the power to the people playing, I think you come out with something really great. I, I think you're onto something here. So, hey, tell us a little bit about traction, where you were in 2018 and, and what you're looking at to roll out here for 2019. So, you know, tell us about uh, your traction in the marketplace. Well, we've only really been pushing since October 2018. We did a lot of testing early 2018 and really wanted to refine our product before making a big push. Since October, we've got 30 clubs signed up or verbally committed for the 2019 season. Obviously, it's a cold for a lot of these guys, yet still, especially if you're in the Chicago, Michigan area, it's not great at the moment. (laughs) No. But the real thing to talk about on that point for traction is when we're getting actual demos with pros or GMs at courses, we have a conversion rate of about 75 to 80% which is phenomenal for us. And because guys are just getting it, they hear the concept and then they start to see how it can be applied to their own course as an enhancement and not an alteration. It can make the rounds that are already happening better and entice more guys to come in and play. So the traction is really good. Nice. That's solid. So obviously you found product market fit. So you've done enough iterating already to kind of tweak it and pivot a little bit. Now it sounds like you're ready to scale this thing. So that's exciting stuff for you at TDJ Golf. Absolutely. Very exciting times. Good stuff. So very quickly here, just want to ask you about the Global Golf Innovation Competition. What was that experience like and how did you find out about that and how did you make it in to be invited as one of the 10 finalists to pitch in that competition? Well, that was actually really interesting. We saw just a press release that Hype put out a few months back and we we were like hey you know this might apply to us it seems like a really cool thing at least Wayne Gretzky said you miss every shot that you don't take so (laughs) we signed up for it and there was a couple hundred entries so we were kind of had low hopes but we were excited we were hopeful 
And they chose us for the top 10. And, you know, it was an incredible experience, even to just be mentioned in the same conversation as a lot of those guys that were competing. And it was so great to see other companies and startups that are really in the same frame of mind and working and trying to get funding and getting their start. And all the judges were amazing and just everything about it, it was an incredible experience in general. Yeah. And over the four days of the show, because the competition was on the Tuesday, really the day before the PGA show actually started. Yeah. But I noticed you were down at the new product zone as part of the hype innovation zone there. So obviously, it sounds like the networking opportunities beyond the competition itself must have been incredibly useful for you. Yeah, absolutely. And just meeting some of these, for lack of a better term, sharks in the industry, people that are really successful, been there and done that, getting their frame of mind, getting their input. I mean, it's invaluable, especially as a startup. We're absolutely trying our best. But when you get somebody to say, hey, try this or try that or tweak this or you're doing good here, but fix this up, the value of that really can't be understated. Absolutely. And I'm involved with pitch competitions, not just in the golf startup space, but in entrepreneurship uh, across the board. And one thing we always say, there always has to be an ask, but everybody thinks it's always about money. They see Shark Tank and it's always about the money and how much and they argue about valuation and how much for the company. There's so much more to that. That's powerful. It sounds like you are now harnessing that as far as partnerships, mentors, uh, other channels, whether it's distribution or or whatever that could be. Absolutely. So, so it yeah. sounds like, yeah, the money is one thing, but there's so many other things that help you propel your business forward. So in the couple of days you've been here, has something popped up that's exceeded your expectations already, even beside the competition of someone that you've met and you're hoping to uh, take it to the next level with TDJ Golf with new partnerships? Absolutely. I'll leave them nameless for the moment. Yeah, of course. But uh, we had some incredible contacts to come in and just even the vindication and validation of the hard work that my father and I have put into this over the last year and a half to see somebody come up and be like, hey, this sounds like a really great idea. I love where you guys are going with this. And then even beyond that, you know, establishing partnerships and from the investing side of things, it's really exciting to be now attracting something we created from the ground up. And for now, other people to acknowledge that hard work and see the potential in our product is just incredible. And the show is always amazing. The number of people that are in there and, the, and just the energy of the PGA show year in and year out is always fantastic. It really is. really is. Hey, to finish up here, here's your chance, Dante. Tell our listeners where they can download and also where they can find out more information about TDJ Golf. Absolutely. Thank you. Definitely feel free to check out www.tdjgolf.com. You can follow us on Instagram, TDJ underscore golf. And our app is free to download at any time on the Google Play or App Store. It is compatible with almost every phone in the market. Definitely try it out. It's free to play. We do offer weekly free play tournaments to get a feel for the app. And feel free to uh, email me at any time at Dante.Reynolds at TDJGolf.com. Good stuff. All right, we'll leave it at that. I know you got to get back and finish up with the show here. So thanks for your time. And uh, I have a feeling we're going to be talking again soon. So best of luck at the rest of the show and in 2019. Thank you very much, Colin. I look forward to talking to you again soon. So that's a wrap for this episode of the Mod Golf Podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversations with Amy Cho, Hype Sports Innovation Partner Alain Hadar, Golf Boo founder Fabio Perel, Connexit CEO Chris Manson, and TDJ Golf Vice President Dante Reynolds. I'd love to hear what you found interesting about this episode and your thoughts on the Global Golf Innovation Competition. So please email me at colin at modgolfpodcast.com and I promise to get back to you. If you'd like to learn more about the PGA Merchandise Show and my guests, go to our episode show page where we've included links and photos to help you see what this annual four-day event is all about. I'd like to extend my gratitude and thanks to our sponsor partners, British Columbia Golf and Nextlinks, for helping make the Mod Golf Podcast happen. 
Without their support, I wouldn't be able to bring you these engaging stories from the golf industry's brightest innovators and influencers. Join me next time as we continue our PGA Merchandise Show coverage that includes more engaging interviews from our conversations with the innovators from the exhibitor floor. If you enjoyed this conversation about entrepreneurship in the golf industry, you can find more of our innovation stories on previous episodes at mod.golf or search Mod Golf Podcast on iTunes and sign up to receive our monthly newsletter while you're there. I have one more ask for you. If you enjoy the Mod Golf Podcast, please encourage one friend to listen to your favorite episode. Support and endorsement from you, our fans and listeners, is the most authentic way for us to grow our audience. I'm your host, Colin Weston. Thanks so much for joining me. Bye for now.